Hey, it's Jessica. Welcome back to the show. Today, you're going to be hearing about how to get unstuck by getting to the root of what's causing the blockage and understanding how we're creating those blockages. Chandra is also going to walk us through the three pillars that underlie our emotions, as well as how to use archetypes in our lives to know ourselves better and to express ourselves more freely. I think you'll find Chandra's story very relatable, especially if you identify as an overachiever. And I hope you find this episode helpful. Thank you for tuning in and let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to Guru Please, the show about pushing the limits of life and stepping up to live with more meaning, more purpose, and more passion. I'm your host, Jessica Sun. I'd like to introduce Chandra Lin. Chandra is a marketing consultant and life coach. She's committed to creating a legacy of helping people transform their lives by overcoming depression, anxiety, losses, and limitations so that they can live a life they love. Welcome to the show, Chandra. Thank you so much for having me. When I read about your podcast and started listening, I knew we were just pretty much part of the same tribe and on a similar mission. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I'm curious to understand your mission a bit more. You define it as you want to inspire people to love life. Like, What does that mean to you? That's a great question. You know, being a marketing person, I struggled so much with what it was that I was trying to do. I knew inside myself that I wanted to help people, but what did that really mean? And I had a really brilliant colleague who said, well, you know, tell me what it is you're trying to do. And then I started to talk and she said, no, in five words. Hmm. And I thought, wow, that is a huge challenge. And I said, well, let's see. I think I want to help people. And I, it just came to me and I said, love life. And the reason is because I'm not a Pollyanna type of person. I actually have had my own bouts of depression and things over the years. And I realized that it's, it's actually not easy to love life. <laughs> like I would love to say that it is, but it's just not. And there's a lot of challenges and things that people face. And so I thought, what a great mission to help people love life more, because I think we can all benefit from that if we if we're happier with our lives and we're in a place where personally we're feeling a love of life, then I think it can be infectious and I think we can help other people to do the same. Right, exactly. So you were kind of on this path of, you know, working in media and marketing, you got an MBA and you have your own marketing agency. What inspired you to go into coaching? Great question, too. I had to think long and hard about that because I felt really compelled to do it. And, I'm, and I thought, well, is it really just to help people? And I think the truth is that personal growth and development is really in my blood. You know, my grandparents were, were therapists. Um, I, I was basically raised, you know, by people who were in the psych profession. And I chose not to go that route initially because I think I was just too young. You know, I, I was an overachiever type of person, you know, getting an MBA at 24. I graduated early from high school. I graduated early from college. I walked the stage as the youngest grad, you know, with my MBA at Golden Gate. And I think that I wasn't emotionally ready to go into a field like psychology. I 
was very empathic. So I felt things really deeply. I would ha definitely be the person to help other people with, and my friends, you know, with what was going on for them. But to do it professionally was scary to me. And I thought, oh, marketing, you know, I can, I'm, I'm a creative person and I love to have relationships with people and, you know, do, do fun things and plan parties. And I went into the music industry and, and I had a, a really great uh, run with that and it was in my heyday. And then I, I started feeling like, okay, you know, I did this and this was good for a while, but I want to do something a bit more meaningful. And so I decided I'm going to just go back and educate myself. And it was really my own interest in personal growth and development for my life, my own life, you know, to love life more myself that I decided to go into an actual program. So I joined the Anthony Robbins, Chloe Madonna's strategic intervention program. And it was so amazing to immerse myself in it that I, um, you know, ended up with a certification and decided that I was going to change my mission to uh, from just doing marketing to helping people, not by abandoning marketing, I still do it, mm -hmm. but help people on, on a deeper level. So, you know, it actually helps with marketing a lot because people have to understand human needs. We need to understand what motivates others, you know, and why we do the things that we do, you know, finding your why and all of that kind of stuff. And I feel like I can be a better service to my clients when I help them market with, with that perspective and can help them, you know, personally, because these are really long-term relationships that I'm developing with my clients and then, um, trying to make a long story longer, um, <laughs> it, I realized that I had um, an online course in me that I wanted to develop. And so I started, you know, putting together some educational materials of my own. And I now have an online course called Root to Rise. And I'm turning it into a self-help book so that people can get offline as well with it. And I've done it as workshops, hosted workshops with it that were really great. And it just got more and more, I guess, a, a calling for me to focus on it and, and do it to help other people just because of the responses that I was getting and how much it was helping other people's lives. Mm, I see. That's so interesting, the name of the program you first went through, Strategic Intervention. What were you intervening? Right. So, um, well, you know, I have lots of influences, and most of my influences are related to nature-based wisdom and universal truths. I don't really subscribe to a particular religion or set of philosophies. I've kind of created my own set, just kind of pulling from things that, that feel right, you know, in my soul. And the thing about the program that I was drawn to with strategic intervention is that it is really one of the fastest roads to transformation. It's really not about having, say, like a therapist that you see on a weekly basis for, you know, years. It's really about getting to the heart and the root of, you'll hear me talk about roots a lot, <laughs> by the way, um, but yeah, the roots of, of things so that we can, you know, get unblocked and we can, you know, propel. And I truly believe, and I've seen it happen so many times now, that through some of these methodologies that I was taught, and some of my own that I've added in, but people can make huge life transformations in a split second. They don't, it doesn't have to take years. Now we can definitely drag out our transformations. And in some cases have to go through dark nights of the soul <laughs> in order to actually, you know, awaken to them. But sometimes we can, it, you know, it, it, it's just a 
it ends up being a transformation that's based on a series of really great decisions. So, um, yeah, the strategic intervention training is all about guiding people through that so they can make quick life decisions that, that lead to great transformations. And that's why I thought it was so powerful, the program. I see. So what are those ingredients to like rapid transformation? The rapid transformation that I teach in the Rooterize course starts with look, you know, getting into your roots. And by roots, I mean the different value areas of your life. So I've defined it with five different roots. And they're really kind of overarching, you know, definitions because so much, you know, there's so much of our, we're very complex, you know, beings, right? So with a lot going on. So each one encompasses a lot. But the first one is health and fitness. You know, when we don't have our health, we don't have much more. We have to focus on that. And so health becomes one of the, the central main roots that we have to address to be able to live a happy life. And if we have that root is stuck somehow, like we're, we're sick, we have a disease, we're overweight, anything that's going to make us feel unhappy and out of balance, that's a, a great area to focus to make quick transformation. Um, but there's four other roots and all of them can get stuck in some way. And the other roots just briefly are, so your health and fitness is number one. You know, it could be your romantic relationships tend to have a big focus when, when we're in them. And when we're single, there's, you know, a lot of self-care type of things that we can do in that root area. And then there's your career. You know, people spend a lot of time and energy and focus on, on their fulfillment in their careers and, and how much they're able to get from it and how much they're able to give back. So that's a, a really big root area. And then our family and friends are the other, the other roots that, that bring it to five main roots that I like to define. And within those, the, to you know, get back to your question, there are techniques that I've developed to being able to uncover where those, those stuck points are so that there can be some new patterns conditioned that will help people turn themselves around because a lot of times it, it, it you may, you know, they, they tend to uncover some kind of hidden force behind their decision-making. And what I've come to realize and the punchline is that these hidden forces that are driving our decisions and, you know, in some cases holding us back, they're also the same thing that can propel us forward. And those are our human needs. Hmm human needs, you know, drive all of our decision making, because we have to fulfill our needs in some way. And we can get stuck there when we're not fulfilling them in ways that are healthy. Um, we are going to fulfill them one way or the other, healthy or unhealthy. It's just part of the human condition. We all have them. But um, yeah, I found over and over that when you apply your knowledge of your human needs to these root, you know, life root areas, you can start to uncover why you're stuck where you're stuck and what you can do about it. What's an example of a human need coming out in, you know, one of these root aspects and being maybe the reason you're like somebody's stuck, but then becoming like something that actually propels you out of that? Yeah. Okay. So that that's a deep question. So the human needs, at first I have to explain that most people probably heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm -hmm. And in the strategic intervention program, there's been some adaptation to those needs, the way that they're defined. And then I have actually further adapted the needs for the Root to Rise program. And so I can tell you what they are briefly and then kind of give you an example to help illustrate that. Mm -hmm. um, so 
you know, all, all of us <laughs> uh, needs uh, analyzers or whatever you want to call us, um, start with the base need of security. It's very difficult when, you know, things like, you know, not having enough, you know, food to eat or a place to live or, you know, feeling threatened in some way in terms of our safety are at hand. And so it's very, if, if those needs aren't getting met for safety and security, it's hard to transcend and focus on the other things. So that is one need that can be you know, you can look at across your, your root system and go, do I feel safe? Do I feel secure? And an example is like, do I feel safe in, you know, or do I feel secure in my relationship? You know, or do I feel secure in this job? When you go through the root system and evaluate your level of need that's getting met in that area, you can quickly see whether it's serving you at a high levels or low levels. You can say, well, actually, I don't feel safe in my relationship because I haven't been able to be my authentic self or I haven't been able to tell the truth about how I feel about what I want in the future. Or, you know, there's lots of reasons that go beyond maybe even just other things like physical safety, physical violence, and that kind of stuff. There can be really subtle ways that the program can help people uncover, you know, what those are for them. But um, so security and safety is the first one. And then that's really kind of about also feeling certainty around things like right now in the pandemic we're in really uncertain times so we might feel a need a higher need for certainty and security things we can count on things we can control because there's so much out of our control and there's so much uncertainty in the future the thing is that's interesting is that there's just as much of a need for uncertainty and variety as there is in certainty and security. So we need both and we have to balance that at all times. It's kind of like, hey, you know, if your favorite food is eating burritos, you know, you have a burrito every single night. Yeah, you're certain you're going to get your favorite food. But after a while, you know, that's going to get old and you, your need for variety can kick in, you know, or maybe something new or different or want to be surprised by somebody with serving something different for dinner. So that's just like a really simple version of, of how these needs have to be balanced and the need for certainty and uncertainty. Mm. And then the third need is for intimacy and love and connection. We have a need to connect to, you know, we're a community for a reason. We need other people and we, we, have basic fears and things everybody does at different levels for being loved and being accepted and that's because we have this need for love and connection and intimacy with other people mm. and there's a lot of areas we can get stuck there and people do they can stay in relationships too long or they can you know be in abusive or toxic relationships or they can find themselves in lots of relationships not committing to one you know you, there's so many things that show up in, in that root area there's one called self, which basically is like significance. You know, people need to feel a sense of self-esteem, of self-worth, uh, they, that they're caring for themselves, and really just that they're, they're significant. And that's a, a basic need as well. And the last two are the needs for growth. You know, we need to be learning things all the time and growing and feeling that, that sense of progress in our lives. Mm-hmm. And the last one is transcendence, which is our need to contribute beyond our needs, you know, beyond ourselves. We want to feel significant because of our contributions, but it can go one step further, which is just giving for this for because other people need it. And a lot of us have a need to 
give. And, and um, I'm certainly at that point with my Root to Rise course. You know, I'm, I just want to give it away for free because I just want people to, to benefit from it and to help others. I'm just so compelled to do that. Mm-hmm. So those are the needs and how they apply to the root system has endless examples of what can be done there to understand that and break free of things holding you back. I see. So a lot of people feel stuck, right? They feel maybe regretful, disappointed, lost, maybe confused, and oftentimes want a sense of freedom. What steps would you take like, if you were that person? Well, I think that happens a lot with people, especially in midlife, you know, where they had some aspirations for themselves that were created early on in life, maybe not really fully at a time, you know, fully mature enough to know the realities of life or who they were fully going to become. And they think, oh, I, I, you know, I have this idea or this, this vision for myself or the future. And then as the, the clock starts to tick, it's easy to go, wow, you know, I'm not there yet and feel disappointed about, about that um, and want to know what they can do. And the thing is, is that it's so not too late. You know, I mean, there's so many things people can do. And part of it is, is starting back and going back to the roots, you know, and taking stock at, of what's going on in those different root areas. Because, you know, we first have to give ourselves credit for the things we have accomplished and that we we do have in our lives because sometimes the brain focuses on what's wrong and what we don't have and tries to fix a problem so being grateful for the things we do have and recognizing those and building our own self-worth and self-esteem around what we have accomplished is a good first step and then uncovering any of those blocks in the root system is really good and and that's by looking at how we've been serving our needs if we're not serving our needs in healthy ways, we can get into depression, we can get into anxiety, we can get into addictions. And those are telltale signs that, you know, something has gone wrong and that there's something in there that needs to be addressed before it gets too critical. The universe has a way of taking over and you can end up in with a dark night of the soul or in a rehab center. So mm-hmm. I definitely welcome people to take a closer look at examining how they've been meeting their needs, healthy and unhealthy ways, and then start to feel empowered that there's different ways of living. There's lots of examples in life of different ways that successful people have, have been able to do it. And there's lots of mentors and support systems out there and to start to get resourceful and seek help and also um, inspirations. Yeah, so really taking a good look at yourself and and doing that self-reflection and understanding your own needs, but then also to be looking at role models and seeking support from community. This isn't something we we necessarily do alone. It's interesting when people are really down, you know, and I've definitely been here where we don't feel very resourceful. We'll start using words like we're never, it's never going to work out or it always sucks or, you know, we just kind of get into this emphatic mindset of it just, you know, shutting ourselves down when we're in a more positive mindset is one of being more resourceful. Resourceful, the internet in itself has given people access to a tremendous amount of resources and opportunity. So if somebody says, well, you know, hey, you know, the pandemic shut down my business and I have no money coming in. Okay, first step, go research government aid. Okay, you've done that. 
So that resourceful effort is, has been exhausted. Then start to look at your personal passions and what you'd love to pivot to. There's lots of opportunities to pivot. There's platforms and marketplaces like Etsy and Depop, you know, where people are building small businesses without much startup costs. My own 14-year-old son just launched a resale shop on Depop by going and hunting for hot items at the Goodwills and washing and, and mending them and then, you know, putting them up online and, and creating a brand for himself around that. And he's 14 years old, you know, so he's got revenue coming in from starting an, a, um, an apparel line that I think people are supporting because A, you know, teen entrepreneurialism is, is a good cause to get behind and also environmentalism. You know, there are a lot of people that line up to the belief that we have a lot of resources and there's no reason to have people manufacture new clothing right now. We can use what's out there. There's a lot of great stuff out there. And it's funny because you can go into a Goodwill and find Michael Kors and Calvin Klein and all these great brands. So, I mean, there's, there's resources out there. And so the bottom line, though, pulling back on, on that idea is that getting into that resourceful mindset and knowing that it is possible to pivot and go after not just something that makes you more money in the interim, but something that, you know, is truly aligned to your heart and your passions and your creativity and the things that you want, you see yourself doing, you know, you want for yourself is something that you can go and get help with and get mentors. There's actually a couple programs that I've utilized. Um, one is SCORE. It's free and it's a, it's a bunch of successful retired people who have signed up. I think it might even be a government program, SCORE, and it might be part of the Small Business Association. But I've gotten coaching from you know, seniors who have been extremely successful business people and even are now angel investors help me build business plans and whatnot. And the Small Business Association, they do workshops all the time. And there's free resources out there. I think it's just getting in that resourceful mind state, you know, mm -hmm. to, go, to go explore for yourself. Mm, yeah, I see. You also talk about this idea of mastering our emotions. How do we do that when we are in that kind of dark night of the soul? Well, so I have a women's group that I co-host and we just focused on a lesson about the dark night of the soul. I created an exercise actually about it. Um, but just so people understand what I mean by a dark night of the soul, there's a little quote I can read you. It says, the dark night of the soul is a space between who you were and who you will become. You will have to completely let go of your old self to embrace a more enlightened self. When you abandon your old self, you will enter the darkness where the old you will be stripped away and the new you will be constructed. Though it may not feel like now, you will come back together again, but first you have to fall apart. So these dark nights of the soul are really times that we go inside and we may feel a little fear, we, we may feel a little scared, but they're necessary to go through a morphosis to let go of things that are no longer serving us. And by that, I mean our belief system, our views on ourselves and our identities and roles we've been playing, how we've been showing up for others and embracing whatever that means for us that's truly authentic and emerging and having the people in our lives align to that 
And that can be very scary for people. So the good news about it is kind of like the butterfly metamorphosis. The caterpillar didn't know they were going to go into this dark, you know, cocoon and turn into goo and then have to reform its shape and struggle to gain strength to break out to become this beautiful butterfly, but they trusted the process. And so what I had my um, members do is imagine themselves as the beautiful butterfly and write a letter to the, cat the caterpillar version of themselves to reassure them about this process that we go through when we're ready to grow and we're ready to transform and we're ready to let go of things that are no longer serving us so that we can embrace our authenticity and also living to our highest potential and choosing some kind of higher purpose to align to. Because I feel like with higher purpose stuff and people get frustrated by it because it's like, well, I wasn't bestowed some higher purpose gift, you know, of vision in my life. Mm -hmm. But no, no, it's something that you can choose for yourself to align to that feels right for you and for where you are right now. And that can be your higher purpose. It doesn't have to be something outside of yourself. It can be something that you choose for your own path. And that dark night of the soul type of stuff is, is just... I guess an extreme example of a time when you might be feeling a bit afraid or a bit in the dark about how you want to view your life and uh, move forward and update, you know, that blueprint for your life that you once had as a child. Now that you have adult eyes. Mm, I see. You also talk about this concept of self-empowerment through soul sovereignty in your women's group. What is soul yeah. sovereignty? Soul sovereignty. So the, the program that we keep referring to is called Own Your Throne. And it's using the metaphor of becoming a queen and that the queen, kind of like King Arthur in the round table, has advisors. The queen version is we have 12 archetypes that are internal advisors to the queen so that we can make great decisions for our lives. We can have the certainty that we're moving down the path to claim our personal power to have that we're worth it that we have the self-esteem and abundance mindset there's a lot of things that kind of are wrapped up into it but the bottom line is that it's a journey to building you know your self-worth and your self-esteem and and being able to be grounded in your decisions and knowing that you have listened to these advisors that are all from within and calling upon them when you need them like the the advisor that kind of is the archetype that oversees the dark night of the soul is the alchemist and she's the aspect of the queen that needs this transformation, needs this metamorphosis to encourage you to grow and for your soul to evolve. And if it's not doing that because its roots are stuck in some area, like in their career, in their bad relationship or, or whatever, that the alchemist is going to be the aspect of yourself that's crying out for attention and saying something needs to change and there may be reasons why we haven't made those changes it can be they can be scary life changes but it's the aspect of ourselves that says by doing that and going through these challenges going through something like a dire and dark night of the soul you will emerge the butterfly you will be more aligned to your truth basically more aligned to who you really are and that's going to feel better that's going to give you that life you love as opposed to living a life that you don't, which is what brings that all on. 
Yeah. What you consistently refer back to is kind of aligning with your own truths inside, inner wisdom, being authentic, and again, going back to your roots. Yes. Those are, those are definitely themes that I believe in because I've experienced it personally myself. I've gone through a breakup after 21 years and a son. I've gone through many job changes. I've started my own business. I've started multiple businesses, actually. Um, some have done really well and succeeded. Others have need more help, need more nourishment. Um, there's been lots of times when I've had to face my own, I guess it's like, okay, well, there was a point where I was like, is it true to me anymore to be seen as a marketing and PR person? Mm -hmm. I decided, well, I don't just want to be that. I'm more than that. I want to also be known as a, a personal and professional coach because of mine, I'm different. I, I know that I'm different than just the average marketing consultant. So I had to go through this identity change and that kind of led to a rebrand, you know, of myself. And then there was a second step of that that maybe some people listening can relate to, which is not necessarily feeling ready to lead in that as myself. So I created a brand. I said, well, I mean, I've launched this company, Glow Living, and we offer personal growth and development resources and online courses like Richerize. And it's like, well, yes, that's all true. But who's really behind it? Who are people really connecting to over it? me like I had to step out in front of my brand and be able to say it's Chandra Lynn you know it's not just glow living but that took some real you know work inside myself my own soul sovereignty journey to mm. say I'm worth people working with or connecting to on this level and it's it's worthy this program is worthy because I'm worthy of it and I think there's just been a lot of steps along the way, and I'm trying to bring in real examples of things that have happened in my career, my life, so people understand that I'm living it too. And when I learn to embrace the uncertainty and know that that makes me go deeper inside myself by through that questioning process and, the, and the, okay, a, few, a few dark nights of the soul, that ultimately I'm going to emerge stronger. It sounds like just like an onion, you're peeling back layers and you know, your identity was changing and our identity is always in flux. We're, we're not fixed to, I'm, you know, a consultant and I'm a job title or, or some, something like that. Like, we're just a lot more complex than that. And it sounds like in your own journey, you've been searching within yourself. And as you mentioned, like finding that self-worth that's deep inside each one of us and allowing it to come out because at the end of the day, like what are companies or brands, when you really like look at it, it's, it's a bunch of people and we're not interested in brands really. We're interested in, in a person or type of person. And their beliefs, you know, and I, I've had to look at what I believe because I think even if they don't really initially care about me, they might be able to resonate with what I believe. Mm. So, I mean, I can tell you a few of my beliefs and, and the listeners will, you know, know for themselves whether they believe the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I mentioned earlier, I believe that a transformation can happen in a split second. Some people are going to believe, believe that too. And some people are going to be like, that's never happened for me. You know, maybe it's 
possible. I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. but that's what I believe. And so people that believe that might go, hmm, well, maybe it hasn't happened for me, but I do believe that's possible if I know how to do it. And maybe it's about building the life skills or the intervention skills, you know, that I was taught or whatever to get there. I believe that we're all on a journey to soul sovereignty. And that basically just means that we're becoming more of who we already are, you know, being able to claim it and we find our personal power to, to live it out loud, to be authentic and truthful and represent ourselves that way in all things that we do. That's what soul sovereignty means to me. So I believe that, you know, do you believe that? And so I can keep going and talk about all my beliefs. And I think that, some people are going to resonate with it and some people aren't, you know, and that's kind of where I had to also face the fact that not everybody's going to like me, you know, I mean, I'm going to have, I'm going to call to my tribe. My tribe is going to be attracted to my beliefs and I'm going to be attracted to their beliefs. And, and I had to reckon with the idea that it's not going to be for everyone. Some people are going to go, wow, own your throne, a journey to soul sovereignty and meeting these aspects of the queen and these archetypes. Wow, that's cool. I totally dig that. And other people are going to be like, what the hell is she talking about? Did she smoke weed before this? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so I think it's just a matter of just walking your talk anyway, knowing that not everybody is going to necessarily resonate with it, but that the ones that do will find you and you'll find them and that connection can happen. Mm, Yeah, exactly. Because so often we want to appeal to everyone, but honestly, that's basically impossible. And you'd rather just prioritize your, your tribe, yourself, what you believe to be true rather than what other people believe to be true. Yeah, with respect to the differences, you know, for sure, there's mm-hmm. going to definitely be a lot of people that have different beliefs and and that and that's totally fine for them. Part of the self-sovereignty thing is also learning about what your beliefs really are and defining them for yourself and owning them and speaking your truth. I heard your other, I had heard one of your podcasts about speaking your truth. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of us are learning how to do that. First start with what we even want to say, you know, in the world. And I think that also just along the lines of what you were saying about, you know, wanting to be liked and, and stuff like that. I think that because I've worked with a lot of celebrities in my career, my, you know, I've been in music. I had, um, Tyra Banks was a client. I've worked with the Black Eyed Peas, with Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails, who's having his own struggles. I mean, there's been a lot of um, celebrities that I've I've talked to about this, where they may have initially been driven or compelled to be liked. You know, celebrities just are. They want to be popular and to please people and stuff like that. But that somewhere along their journey, they may have realized that not everybody's going to like them. And in some cases, they may have haters and Mm. or maybe they change genres and they lose a bunch of fans for that. I mean, there's just so many times when they have to be faced with not being liked that they have to dig deep into themselves and like themselves first, because waiting for everybody else to like you is, is a recipe for disappointment. Wow, that's really interesting because what you're saying is that every single person, our journey is to realize the fullness of ourselves and to to kind of dig deeper and uncover like who we are. Exactly. And who we are changes, you know, so we may feel like we figured it out and then suddenly we're in a dark night of the soul again. (laughs) 
that's, you know, means you're growing. And, and remember, growth is one of the key six human needs. We need to grow. That's how we feel progress. And in my equation, it's what brings us joy when we feel progress, when we feel like, you know, we're, if we're on a mission and we're moving, you know, closer to the goal, it's not necessarily reaching it. It's, it's the, you know, you've, you've heard that whole adage about it's not the destination, it's the journey, you know, kind of thing. And that's really what it is. It's like, we're going to grow and then we're going to hit a, a certain level and then we're going to want to grow some more, you know, mm -hmm. and maybe we thought that reaching that, that goal or that milestone was going to be enough. But when we get there, we can see so much more. Um, I had a, I have a therapist who, uses the mount, a mountain metaphor, which goes really nicely with my Root to Rise program. But um, she will say things like, you know, I try to get people just to the next vista. Like, you mm -hmm. know, you go to one plateau and all of a sudden you can see the steps to the next part of the journey that you couldn't see before. So you won't know it until you get there. And so just to trust that that will unfold for you, that, that that vision will be there, that you will see more once you arrive, that you don't have to have it all figured out how to get to the top. You just need to figure out how to get to that next plateau because you'll be given more information. You'll be able to see things differently through a new lens of having more experience. Oh, I really like that kind of metaphor. Yeah. Well, especially for overachievers like me, I think it works because I'm so, you know, well, when I'm 50 now, but when I was in my 20s, I was all about getting to the top. Mm -hmm. And I think that the top kept, it was like a moving target, it kept changing, you know, and it's like these plateaus. I don't, I never really knew what the top was because every time you have an achievement, there's always something was like, thank you next <laughs> type of thing. Yeah. So yeah, I think that that's, it's in some, I guess is what I'm saying is that it's about accepting that we are on a journey and that it is about growth. And when we're stuck in some way, our roots, some, somewhere in our root system, you know, we got stuck along the lines. It doesn't mean that it has to be devastating. It just means that we have to go and unstick that root and nourish it so that we can balance the roots to give ourselves that stable foundation to rise from so that we can have expectations for accomplishing things or experiencing things. And I like to think of it as starting to live a bucket list life. We don't have to worry about our bucket list until we're old, you know, but no, you can start checking things off a, a, a list of things you want to experience in life. Now there's no reason to wait. It's not for retired people It's for everyone who wants to, get the most out of life. And I think that's the other part of the formula of loving life mm -hmm. is experiencing those things that we want to experience and not putting them off for one day in the future. Yeah, it's so funny, because at the same time, we put off like these things we want to do or become. Uh, and we, we say, okay, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do that one day. At the same time, we're so grasping in this moment to reach the next thing. And it's kind of like, what we want to do, we don't. But then what we're doing right now, we just want to get through it really quickly. A lot of people ask me about that. I feel really overwhelmed, you know, and what can I do about it? Everything seems to be important. And I just don't have any time for myself. I can barely collect my thoughts. And, mm -hmm. and the last thing they want to hear is my advice, which is you got to slow down. It's the, actually the opposite. We have to get back to what's important because if we're not prioritizing the things in our root system that need to be prioritized and we feel like everything has to happen at once. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And what, as one of my dear friends, Cynthia says, we start to boil the ocean. You know, we start to just try to <laughs> tackle it all at once. And it can feel so overwhelming when really, if we took a, a good look at it, we, we took that kind of sacred pause to think about what's truly meaningful and, you know, how we're meeting our needs in these different ways, you know, kind of like what I was talking about, my root to rise framework. It just really gives us a foundation for prioritizing in a way that can then lead to better time management and the live work balance and less overwhelm. Yeah. Cause nobody can really understand our needs, but ourselves and to sit down and take that breath, take that pause and ask oneself, like, what do I need in this moment? And what can I do for myself to meet these needs? Or like, what am I doing? What have I been doing that may, that may not be working? Well, what's good about the, the root to rise framework is that once you've gone through it once, and you've kind of given yourself that gift of really understanding how the needs are showing up in your, in your life, Mm -hmm then you can do it in your head really fast. So when something's starting to bother me and I'm feeling dissonance and I'm, or I'm starting to feel depressed or I'm starting to get that anxious feeling, I, I know something is wrong and I know I need mm-hmm. to connect with myself about it, but I just feel overwhelmed and whatnot. I have a system now for quickly evaluating what's happening in my roots and knowing what level I'm meeting my needs. And I can usually mm-hmm. zero in on the thing that's really needing attention. Mm-hmm. And allow myself to let go of some of those other things or goals for the time being. It doesn't mean that I'm abandoning things I want to do or not meeting deadlines or anything like that. It just means that it's an area of focus that I can put more energy on and at that moment. And it's just constantly shifting shifts in energy is what balance is all about. So we're shifting into that problem area working on, you know, resolving it, working on, you know, nourishing it or healing something or whatever it needs to happen. Because if we keep going the way we're going without doing that, you'll have even more compound problems. It it gets worse. It doesn't get better. So some people are just brought to their knees and forced to stop, you know, because they might find that they've gotten sick or, you know, something else broke down. And I really believe in preventing that kind of stuff from happening as much as possible because there's already enough external forces at work that are challenging to deal with that, Mm -hmm. you know, we need to at least balance our internal forces. And you had talked about emotional mastery and I'm sorry, I feel like I didn't really answer that directly. (laughs) So would you like me to to talk about that for a minute? Definitely. Okay, cool. So, there, there is a technique I learned in the strategic intervention program that's based on a triangle. So I use metaphors and these kind of visual things as aids a lot because it's just easy for everybody to relate to. And most of mine are nature-based. Mm-hmm. Think of a triangle. They call it the triad. And so basically when you have these imbalance, your emotions fall into place. The first thing is what are we doing with our physiology? Most people have gotten depressed or sad and it tends to look the same in everybody. You know, you slump Mm -hmm. over. For me, I put my hands on my forehead. I close my eyes. I'm starting to go inward. I'm starting to connect with myself. But what am I really doing when I'm doing that? You know, I'm shallow breathing. I'm maybe even getting a little bit more in the fetal position, just kind of rolling up in a ball more. Like I'm just super connecting with myself on a physical level first. And Mm -hmm. I'm hyper-focusing on something. And so 
the, the bottom part of the triangles are what we're doing with our physiology, but the second side of the triangle is what we're focusing our mind on. And, mm-hmm. and so we can, what we focus on is really interesting because you're, we're usually talking to ourselves about it. You know, this is where negative self-talk come in for not only just focusing on it, but we're attaching meaning to it. You know, we're, we're saying, oh, I suck at doing web work, and so I'm never going to be successful because this website's never going to get off the ground. You know, if I could just be better at tech, you know, I just, I've always sucked at that. Or like, there could be this chatter going on that's negative. So we're upset with ourselves because we're not as successful as we want to be. We're focusing on how bad we are at something that we're doing. We're attaching a meaning through the third leg of the triangle, and that's our language with ourselves. So language brings about meaning. And so when we have that third triangle in play, that's in a negative way. Like instead of saying, well, I'm not really good at WordPress and website development. I'll have to work on that. Instead, we're saying we suck and we're going to fail because of it. Mm. You see the difference between attaching a meaning of, oh, I just need to grow and learn a little bit more, but I can do it to I suck. I'm never going to do it. I'm going to fail. And so we have these choices about how, what meaning and we attach to the words that we're using when we talk to ourselves based on what we're focusing on. And these three pillars, how we use our physiology, our body, what we focus on with our mind and what meaning we attach to the language we are using with ourselves are these three pillars that are summoning emotions. So when we're picking our language, we're summoning some kind of emotional energy. So what's interesting about the triad that I layered into my program is that physiology means body, focus means mind. And to me, the meaning behind our language is summoning an emotion, which is a spiritual energy that we're bringing forward inside of our bodies. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a, what we're ta- talking about with this triangle is balancing body, mind, and spirit. Mm. And so how we use our bodies, how, what we focus on and our choices of what to focus on. Did I need to focus on web development right then? No, that's just going to frustrate myself. I could be focusing on something else if it's bothering me right then, but I chose to focus on my pain point. Do I have to attach a meaning that I'm going to fail? No, I could just attach a meaning that I just need to learn or I need to ask for help. Mm. So we have these choices about what, how we're going to res- respond emotionally based on these three things that we do to ourselves. So usually to get out of, of that negative loop, I usually start, tell people to start with doing something different with their body. The minute that my hand touches my forehead and I'm starting to go inward, I know that I've got to open up and I've got to look up at the sky and I've got to stretch out my arms. And I, you know, I don't care if tears are running down my face. I cannot let myself shrink into that fetal position with my head on my forehead because that is going to trigger this negative thinking and, the, and bring about these negative emotions. Mm. So when I can start with that body change, that physiology change, get outside, take a walk, do something different, move that body, it will already help us find the resources inside of ourselves to have the consciousness to look at what we're focusing on and the meanings we're attaching to our to what we're focusing on in a healthier way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see. Yeah. To really understand and be aware of what our body is doing, what our mind is focusing on, and then 
the meaning that we're attaching to what we're thinking about. You really got it. And I know this is kind of a, I don't know, is it, it does it seem complex? You seem to have gotten it right away. Is it a difficult thing to understand? Or did you, do you feel like you, you just felt right? Yeah, it almost sounds so simple. It's like, wait a minute, why, why do we get stuck in these states, you know, when a series of, of small changes can really help us to kind of exit that loop? Exactly. That's okay. So that right there is a big part of the strategic intervention thing. And that's a big part of why I believe transformation can happen, you know, just by us gaining awareness over our, our how we're using our mind and what, how, what kind of emotions we're summoning into ourselves. And I can tell you, as somebody who had teen depression, mm-hmm. I felt victim to it. Like, mm-hmm. I felt like it was something that was happening to me. I definitely did not think it was something I was doing using this triad to summon negative emotions. I thought it was just like, or maybe I could chalk it up to hormones or whatever. And sometimes those things do play a part in intensifying our emotional states or preventing us from being more resourceful or more conscious. But one thing people can do right away is draw that triangle on a piece of paper and say, okay, what am I doing with my body? Okay, what can I, can I, you know, maybe you need to do the opposite there or something different there. What am I focusing on? Well, what are my choices of focus? You know, am I focusing in, in a positive area or am I intentionally focusing on a negative thing? Hmm. What meaning am I attaching to the things I'm saying to myself? I was talking to a friend today who I identified this really negative self-talk. I should be able to handle things better, you know, by now. And, and I, I, whenever I hear I should, I always know there's a problem. It's like, okay, wait, wait, wait. Mm-hmm. What makes you think you should be handling things better? What makes you think you should be able to deal with something you've never dealt before in a more, restored, you know, better way? Well, it's just a belief system. We think we should be this and that by now, and we don't cut ourselves a break, and we certainly don't always act like our own best friends. Hmm. So what, oh, what I told her was I said, can you do me a favor and just take that voice that's talking to you inside of your head and imagine her as a person standing next to you and ask yourself, would we want to hang out with that girl? You know, would, she, would Chandra like her? Because if she's that much of a bummer, why are you letting her in your life? Mm-hmm. You know? So there's this, talk, this self-talk that we have that if we could embody, we have to ask ourselves honestly, is it, is it a, would it be a person that we, we'd want in our lives? Usually no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and why is that? You know, why can't, why can't she be awesome and she root for us and be our best friend and give us ideas and make us resourceful and, Tell us when we're focusing on the wrong thing. So now I just say, just have her tell you what you think your best friend or your therapist or whatever would say. You know, mm-hmm. don't trust her. Don't listen to her. Let Ask her what I would say or what your shrink would say. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, got her laughing, if nothing else. And when we start to be able to make fun of ourselves in, the, in a healthy way, then we're more receptive and open to more ideas for life coping skills. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think laughter is a a huge sign that you've kind of seen beyond that like illusion and really made that mind chatter, that negative side. You've taken that and you've said, this is not me. This is separate from me. And it's a very freeing moment. 
Yeah, it's, it's a, you know, it's an interesting process. I think, you know, we get to know ourselves and we accept these things about ourselves. And sometimes that's accepting that we're our own worst enemy and we just allow it. Mm-hmm. The whole walk in your path to soul sovereignty program is all about mm, raising the bar on that, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, not allowing anything more than uh, healthy minded advice. It's really just letting people meet and discover more of themselves and that's just been an awesome process to see these women commenting on the content and and looking at themselves and their lives so differently and i have too in the process of creating the content it's been unbelievable yeah it's just really embracing the transformative quality of our lives and of our being because things are always going to change and we shift and over time when we can come to recognize that it's okay for things to change naturally and to kind of trust that process and, and trust ourselves in it. Exactly. And I've noticed that with different aspects, some have resonated with me more than others and I've had to cultivate others. Like mm-hmm. one, one aspect was the wild woman. Part of the wild woman is the woman that in the aspect of yourself that allows you to fully express who you are and not worry or give a damn what other people think and dance and sing or whatever your thing is, you know, just live in life out loud. And I realized through that process of teaching on it and really kind of having to embrace it myself that I wasn't allowing myself to do that. I was limiting my joy and expression a lot in my life. I was not, um, dancing wildly I, you know you know I wasn't even bringing around the friends that would want to go dancing or to experience that it's like okay we can show up with no bra and no makeup and be ourselves and mm-hmm. instead of having to you know be around the friends who you have to look perfect for and act like your life is great for you know <laughs> and yeah, you know, yeah. it was a really cool month of, of meeting the wild woman and letting myself just be able to experience more abandon and more mm-hmm. more truth of myself. And so I was dancing in my house and you jammed to the music and it, it, that really free feeling started yeah. to get summoned. And, and I had not experienced that in so long. So I invite everybody to, to do that. The other one was the inner child and being able to play, and like mm. just go on a walk and not have a set course. Just let her guide you to where, to, oh, what's over here? You know, oh, this is mm. interesting. I'm going to go over there. What's this? What's under this leaf? It's just an interesting, like inquisitive mind state. So that just gives you an example of, of two of the, as a result, you know, I've learned to play more. I've learned to allow myself to, to be more authentic, to get a little wild. Um, the warrior S has allowed me to be able to be a little fierce when I need to. I mean, there's just all these aspects that I didn't even know were in me that have been awakened through doing this with Kristen, learning from her, her learning from me, learning from the other women in the program. It's also brought a lot of transformation. So those two programs are available for people and um, there's free, I can give you links to um, sign up for some of the free offerings around those. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. And links will be in the show notes. I think what you just said was just huge, like allowing these different parts of us to come out because the inner child is there. And, you know, these different archetypes represent like aspects of our multidimensional 
self. I'm so glad you used that word because my, my logo for Glow Living is a diamond that's got the little fractured facets. Mm. And it's because I believe we're all multifaceted diamonds. And there's parts of ourselves that we put in the sun for everyone to see. And then there's parts that we have in the shadows and there's reasons for that. And sometimes we allow those to be seen by certain people depending on intimacy levels. And it, the real journey is learning all those facets of ourselves and claiming more of that for the sun. And, you know, obviously there's parts we put in, in the shadows because they're private or inappropriate, you know, to put in the sun. But I think that it's just knowing why they're there and not denying them or disowning them. Mm. but embracing all of who we are dark and light yeah yeah absolutely well thank you Chandra for sharing like all these great things about how we can really get in touch with our roots and also examples from your own life about how you've kind of done that for yourself in your own journey and we talked about like authenticity like negative self-talk emotions this is such powerful stuff and honestly just taking like one or two ideas and and really holding that and considering it and even living by it that in and of itself can be really powerful so thank you thank you so much oh my pleasure thank you for having me on i know we covered a lot of ground so i would love to invite any of your listeners to reach out if they have any questions or want to explore any of these themes that we talked about they can always reach me at chandra at glowliving.com i'd love to hear from people i want to know what lands you know what helps and and be able to support that in in the content that i'm creating Mm -hmm. that's great